gentlemen, boys and girls, good people and inhabitants of planet Earth, both foreign and domestic. Welcome to the Dear Human Paradox. I'm your host, Darius Riddick, and I would like to thank you for joining me in what is nominally the next stage of evolution for humankind. For those of you joining us for the first time, welcome, but you got a lot to catch up on, so go ahead and get cracking. <laughs> okay, but welcome to the 50th episode. Um, thank you for those of you that invest your time. Uh, a resource of which you do not get back. So in that case, we could say it is our most valuable resource and asset. So I will do my best to ensure that your investment is well invested. Um, for those of you that are returning, once again, thank you. Thank you for your continued investment, because without you, it wouldn't be what it is. But to all of you, thank you for enabling the the next stage uh, for those that succeed us to to grow to thrive and, and and to break speed records on the roads that have been paved by our ancestors and by our predecessors. Because what is life if you can't create a better quality of it for those that, that come after us? So on this day in history, uh, there's a few interesting things that, that happened actually. Um, that, so I'll just mention two. Okay. In 1819, uh, May 31st, Walt Whitman is born. So, I mean, for those of you that like poetry, yeah, I mean, there you go. <laughs> okay. And, um, Secondly, in 1859, uh, Big Ben rings out over London for the first time in history. And, you know, both of these things I, I, I wanted to mention because both architecture of of uh, of of human creation uh, uh, and architecture of the human mind and its ability to withstand the test of time is, is something fascinating and something to really highlight because these came from two different places. Two different two 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 different sides of the world, but the same time period. Yet, a hundred two year two hundred years later, people are still in awe and fascinated by their creation. So, I mean, that's just something to definitely appreciate. But today, we're just going to discuss a concept that I believe could assist a lot of people on their journey to improving their quality of life. Not only by a little bit, excuse me, <laughs> not only by a little bit, uh, uh, but but for their next generation. Um, that distracted me. I, got, I have a flight to catch in a couple hours. So I'm trying, I'm trying to get this out there and remain you know, consistent and dedicated to you guys. So um, where was I? Yeah. So it, it, it it's one of those things that it's not only uh, beneficial to human performance, but it's, it's, it's beneficial to everything that leads up to it. So that the scientific process and then everything afterwards, the actual implementation. So all around, despite what leg of your journey you're on, despite what lifespan you are, you are a part of right now whatever universe you you say that you are in, this can help you. And, and it's super simple, but it's this idea of planning and planning in research is crucial, right? Because the how how research is planned is is going to going to guarantee or not guarantee if your hypothesis is proven true. And for those of you that kind of have an idea of what I'm saying, that means if you don't plan, then everything, all of your funding, all of your work, all of your time that went into doing this was null and void. So it's kind of reinforcing this idea of preparation, but at the same time, planning gives you time to gather preemptive research before you actually test the hypothesis. And we're not speaking specifically on, you know, research in a laboratory. We're speaking specifically on this idea of self-research and it's your ability to question a performance principle. So if someone tells you that, you know, 12 to 20 repetitions is what's going to allow you to grow muscle, um, you can challenge that by saying, OK, 12 to 20. What if I do 20 to 30? <laughs> you know, so but I think with this idea of planning with self-research, you have to first ask the question, do the research prior uh, 
and ask, you know, hey, why do they say 12 to 20? Right. What is the what are the mechanisms and what is the the physiological the physiological response that they're looking for or that they expect when they do 12 to 20? Because we understand that there are gender differences. There are there are racial differences, there are build differences, and there are response differences based on like how you feel towards it. So this is your ability to, to, to challenge those principles that are concrete, that are written up by these big organizations that are written up by these professionals to say like, okay, this is what works. This is what we found to have worked. Um, and it should work for you, right? Emphasis on the word should. So you can take that should and run with it and then uh, identify if it is something that is actually going to work from you. And we do that basically by planning. And in terms of research, right, they use something called the Maxicon principle. And the Maxicon principle, um, it, if used effectively, can, can I mean, it, it makes your life <laughs> 10 million times uh, simpler, especially when it comes to laboratory research and when you're trying to test a, a, a hypothetical question. So if you are just an average day, uh, an, 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 an everyday average Joe, and you wanted to see whether or not you could get to a certain level of shape to say run a marathon or to, you know, do a bodybuilding competition or to be part of a powerlifting competition or, 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 or a swimsuit model, whatever it is. All things considered. So despite your background, despite all that, you know, you 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 have the mindset, you have the motivation, you have the environment. Now it's time to really, really hone hone in on things and see whether or not it is it is possible. And not only if it is possible, but but the the rate. So the speed at which you can get there and the ceiling of which. So how much results can you actually see? Right. Because there is a difference between amateur and pro level for a reason. So the Maxicon principle, the first part of it um, is actually an acronym, if you will. The max is maximize true variance. The, The I is increase the odds that the real relationship or explanation will be discovered. And. And the con is to control extraneous variants. And the reason why I didn't describe each of those as I went along is because I, I want to just ring it all in for you all to make it make sense to somebody who do, who is new to this idea of research. What this principle is designed to do is to eliminate all possible options that that may influence your hypothesis or your hypothetical question in the wrong direction. OK, so if you wanted to say, do a bodybuilding competition. You could use the Maxicon principle to answer the question of, can I get in shape for this competition? Right? So the the, the answer is going to be up to you, but you want to eliminate all the external factors that may, that may be a detriment to that question because you want the question to be yes, because I mean, yes, yes matches the, the, the end goal. Now, are there going to be genetic limitations? Okay. Are there going to be metabolic limitations? Are there going to be physiological uh, uh, limitations? Are there going to be uh, anatomy limitations? And by using this principle, the Maxicon principle, you implement and 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 test as many variables as possible, so you can begin to eliminate what could be uh, what could be null or correct answers. And when I say answers, I mean something that 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 pushes that path a little bit, a, a little bit more, because most of the time people think that genetic factors are like, you know, either ability to build muscle that was passed down from an inheritance in, in their in their their DNA coding is going to be 
one of the reasons why they can't do something. And the fact is that you don't know what that limitation is until you test it. You don't know what that limitation is until you completely eliminate everything else and then specifically focus on that. So for example, nutrition, if you're, if you have a nutrition coach or if you are an RDA or you are locked in with your nutrition, that is minimizing one of the variables that could in fact impede the answer to that question. Because as you know, nutrition is a huge, a huge part of the, the, the bodybuilding, the bodybuilding culture. And uh, in order to see a lot of these physiological responses, especially in the skeletal muscle, you have to provide the proper nutrition and, uh, and eliminate the, the processed nutrition that is not that is not giving you a specific response. Um, and then you have things like uh, workload efficacy, which it. In, in, in the shortest way I can put is your dedication to training. And if you don't remain consistent and you don't have a positive attitude towards what it is that you're trying to do, then most likely that's going to affect a, a, a majority of your of your workouts, especially when you pair it with nutrition and you get down to, you know, the the pre-competition rituals where, you know, you're, you're depleted of water, you're depleted of carbohydrates, you're depleted of fats, you're depleted of sugars. And, you know, you're not just, you're not going to have the motivation to go. You're not going to have the energy to go. Right. So the body going into survival mode to, to preserve, to preserve itself like it normally does is going to try to convince you every single way why you should not go. And if you don't have the, the mentality to overcome that, then that's going to be another variable that, is going to justify why you could not have answered that question. Now, this seems a, a little bit complicated, but what I what I what I wanted to put forward is that when it comes to planning, especially in self research, right, it allows us to establish cause and effect, and it allows us to remove anything that may be a perceived obstacle when trying to answer a question. And this is extremely important because like any other time in history, we have the ability to tune these machines, right? A hundred years ago, right? People could exercise and, and do all that stuff, but they couldn't really put the science to it. 200 years ago, same thing. 500 years ago, same thing. A thousand years ago, same thing. And each, each century, right? We discovered something or the technology improved to the fact that we can discover something or at least put practical application to it to better understand it. And now, as any time in history, as far as I'm aware, we have the the best ability to do that, um, to, to tune the human machine for a specific outcome. But it's not easy. And you have to be smart about it to avoid wasting time, wasting money, getting frustrated, crying. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it all from athletes across the board, man, because this this is a very uh, this is a very emotional thing trying to figure this out. But fortunately, people like myself and people like my predecessors have made it so you can remove trial and error to us to to an extent uh, we know certain things that don't work and we know certain things that do work but now you have the ability to take what do, what does work and implement that in your life and tune it even further so we continue this process to to truly understand and have the best concrete information um because what 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 works for one person may not work for someone else but the preparation and the planning allows us to eliminate common fallacies to see greater results and achieve goals faster but remember like any other tool if you don't use it you lose it and until next time Stay durable, my friends.